Broadcasting live from the Wellness Wonderland, you're listening to the Wellness Wonderland Radio. I'm Katie, and each week I chat with the most inspirational people on the planet on how to stay inspired in all areas of life. As you listen, feel free to tweet at me, at Katie Dalebout, or use the hashtag Wellness Wonderland. I'd love to hear your aha moments. So grab your headphones and listen on the go, or cuddle up with a notebook as we dive in deep with authentic conversations right here in Wonderland. Hey guys, it's me again. I just quickly wanted to remind you that all the show notes with the links and resources we mentioned in this episode are available on my blog. So head there now and leave a comment for me or our guest and we'll respond. And you can also find the entire archives of all the episodes from the Wellness Wonderland podcast and catch up on those at thewellnesswonderland.com slash podcast dash two. And if you guys are digging the show, it would be super duper awesome if you guys could leave me a review and a rating over on iTunes. It would be so helpful to bring more people to the show. Thank you guys so, so much for listening and leaving a review. And without further ado, here is this week's podcast. Broadcasting live from the Wellness Wonderland, this is a special edition of the Wellness Wonderland Radio. As you know, I'm your host, Katie, and today we have a friend of the show back in Wonderland to help me throw everyone's favorite kind of party since about the fourth grade, a sleepover. And who better to co-host this epic event than the sleep doctor himself, fitness and nutrition expert and podcast host of the number one nutrition and fitness podcast on iTunes, or as we like to call them, Supercasts, a sleep guru and author of the brand new book, Sleep Smarter, 21 Proven Tips to Help You Sleep Your Way to a Better Body, Better Health, and Bigger Success, which is out now. And my friend, the one and only Sean Stevenson is back in Wonderland. How are you, Sean? I'm doing great. You should see my smile right now. Like, my cheeks hurt. Thank you so much, Katie. Are you pretty proud of me since you're my podcast mentor and... Um, we're today aired episode 47 of my show. So I'm just following in your footsteps and learning so much from you as everyone does on your show. That's what we call crushing (laughs) it. You know, you're definitely crushing it. And we want to set out every day and just do something new, you know, do something progressive and get better, you know, and that's what you're doing. And I'm so, of course, I'm proud of you. You should be proud of yourself too. You're amazing. (laughs) Amazing. Well, you're only my second ever repeat guest, so you know that um, you must have something really, really special to share. And today yeah. we're going to, we never do this on on my show, you know, it's more about the guest, but today we're going to get really topical with mm. people and go into the topic of sleep, which obviously is what your book is about. And yeah. you have a three-part um, podcast on this that, you know, I was just telling you before the call, I've listened to about mm, three times. And <laughs> when I first heard it um, this winter, you know, I it really radically um, changed my life and my habits. And um, when people are hearing this, it's going to be part of Sleep Week in Wonderland, where I'm talking all about sleep and all about your book because it's the week that your book is out. And so before we dive into the topic of sleep, I just want to talk a little bit and congratulate you publicly on this amazing accomplishment and just talk a little bit about um, about how it feels. And, and also, you know, you've discussed a little bit in um, episodes recently of the Model Health Show about how big of an undertaking writing a book is. And um, myself, you know, working on mine, same thing. You feel those physical effects. And I think people can relate to that, whether they're writing a book or not, just the intensity of a desk job that requires tons of sitting or starting a business or whatever. Um, If you could talk a bit about um, the writing process and how it was truly a labor of love and and even took a toll on your physical health and maybe just some tips to kind of prevent that. Absolutely. Well, uh, just to kind of start at the top there with those questions <laughs> right now. A lot like, came at you there. <laughs> well, right now I feel euphoric. You know, I feel so beyond, I feel overjoyed is the perfect word for it. And, you know, this is something that um, when I was a kid, 
one, I had a teacher, and I'll never forget her, Miss Blackmore's eighth grade writing class. And she really, um, really believed in me, you know, and she really saw something special in me. And I remember she published a poem that I wrote in the school newspaper. And, you know, and, and ever since that moment, I wanted to write. I wanted to reach people through, through my writing. And that, that idea kind of got um, beaten down a little bit over the years, of course, with different teachers and different stressors and school and, and classes and university and life. And that idea just kind of faded away. And it wasn't until I got connected with my mission, which is helping people to transform their health. And I began speaking and I began teaching and training and I started to write again, you know, and through that process, um, I found my voice, you know, because it, even when I was younger, you know, I, I'm pretty sure it was there, but I didn't fully have it. And this process right now, because I've done this before, I wrote a book before about seven years ago, but it wasn't like this. Now I know who I am fully and I know what I'm doing, you know? So the first book that I wrote was very um, impassioned and very um, progressive and just talking about all these ideas and, and motivation Versus now, I'm looking at how can I actually help people to change when they crack this book open and read one page, they're able to walk away with something that can change their life. So I made this book very practical and providing a lot of actual like how to like do this thing, yeah. power tips at the end of each chapter. I and the that. biggest thing, Katie, is the last book, my, my vision was up to the book. Now my vision is far beyond this book. Mm. You know, so I'm looking at what's going to happen you know, six months from now, next year, five years, this is evergreen. I created something that is going to help people and be a, a foundational stamp in their life for a long time. So I'm to, to start it off, I'm totally overjoyed about this. Can't even put it to words. And the writing process itself. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, as you know, you know, I've even done shows about um, the sitting disease, yeah. you know, just kind of um, I really feel it is the most damaging thing to our health outside of like eating Cheetos and, smoking. you know, Lucky Charms, right? And like smoking and smoking crack or whatever, <laughs> whatever crazy stuff we could think of. Sitting is kind of like the most mundane, sneaky ninja thing that's hurting us that we don't really know yeah. about. Okay. And why that is, is, I mean, there's several reasons, but for me, I'm just going to stick to this one thing, which is. Um, my structure, you know, I've been a really active person and I had a history of having back problems, which I uh, was able to resolve. But doing this process, like this labor of love, you get so like it's a burning desire and yeah. you like, have to do this. I have to write. I'm consumed with it. And there's nothing there's nothing else I'd rather be doing than that, you know. And mm -hmm. even when I'm mm -hmm. waking up in the morning, I just want to get yeah. because you know it's like uh, it's the muse. Yeah, I can so relate. I'm just it, smiling. Uh -huh. Of course. So the muse is like singing to you, you know. Yeah. So you sit your butt in the chair. And I remember um, it was the author uh, Dan Pink, Daniel Pink, and he's got a ton of best-selling books. And he tells people, you know, the being a writer is much more butt than head. Mm -hmm. okay? Because a lot of people think that writing a book is really like this mental thing. You've got to be like MC squared genius or whatever. But it's not really about that. It's about you sitting your behind down and getting practical application and, and actually putting in time writing so that you get good at it. Because anybody can get good at something if they put their, yeah. their effort and their heart into it. But really, and, but the seed below that is that you have to be passionate about it or it's not going to turn out good in the first place. So with all that said, um, I sat way more than I wanted to lately. And um, I'm celebrating now because I get to get up more. And I've been doing a lot of interviews and just being able to get out and go outside and even talk uh, on the phone and do some interviews. And um, I'm kind of getting back into my more active life. And a big takeaway that I can share with everybody, with you, Katie, is that now I'm, I'm learning some other strategies for what, because I've already got another book brewing, you know, but um, what am I going to do next time to counterbalance this? And so one of the things is, and it's kind of Captain Obvious is like, dude, how about you try a stand-up desk? You know, mm -hmm. just give it a shot, you know? So I'm going to 
uh, devote some time doing that, even if I'm still sitting on part of it, but stand for some part. And then also um, a friend of mine, Dr. Pedram Shojai, who's the founder of Well.org, um, he dictates some of his writing, you know. So I think he just finished a book and he just dictated it. He just talked into like his iPhone something awesome. quarter. And then he has somebody who freshens it up and, and transcribes it and he gives it the stamp of approval. You know, and he's doing big things like major, major, you know, movies and that kind of stuff. And this is just so there's more strategies to do this. However, I'm going to be straight with you. I I just love sitting down and writing. So, yeah. 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 I, I was thinking about that. and I'm a very um, audible, auditory learner, I guess. I think that's why I like the art of podcasting and your show so much because it goes right in, you know. Um, I like reading, but I just I can do more listening. Yeah. quicker listening and um so you know i was thinking about that when you said that about um dictating but i know for me there's something to the art of writing where i don't know what i'm thinking unless i'm writing you know and that's why journaling obviously uh, is such a huge practice yeah. for me but i mean i think it's easier for me to get the ideas down and i can kind of work through them right. writing them rather than dictating but that's super interesting and i think um, those takeaways are great and we'll definitely link to the model health show on sitting and that's going to be required listening for everyone in wonderland because it really is a paradigm shifter that that was a great episode sean awesome thank They're you all good, but. <laughs> thank you <laughs> um all right so back to the sleepover let's get back to this topic of sleep and before we dive into the you know the concepts and some of the stuff I really want to ask you about I'm curious about how did you get into this topic of sleep and why did you want to focus on sleep as your mission and the subject matter um of this book I'd love to know like what originally attracted you okay awesome well let's get to the pajama jammy jam part all right so (laughs) Um, this book really came about um, through my experience, my clinical practice of and working with thousands of people, you know, one on one and in live trainings and things like that. But having the opportunity to see people face to face and and seeing uh, people who, you know, they come in and they're eating a relatively good diet. They're exercising probably too much. And it's just like, what is what's going on here? Why are you not getting the results? And if you do a little digging, I was finding out consistently time after time these individuals were having sleep problems and in some cases i was seeing quite a few um situations of insomnia so i've treated a lot of people over the years for insomnia and seen radical success in that so what i discovered and it just sent me on this journey so when i got interested in that i was just like well let me find out about the sleep thing and that turned into like a 6 month in depth, like every waking moment, I'm like studying sleep and finding out everything I can, I can about this really mysterious type of thing. You know, it's like we don't even know what it is, really. You know, what I found yeah. in the future is like sleep is like trying to describe life. You know, like you're like more likely to sound like Forrest Gump, right? Life is like a box of chocolates. Sleep is like pretending to be dead. You know, it's like yeah. so weird. You know, we're just practicing like. And you don't even know what happens from there. So it's this very interesting thing. And science is finding out more and more about it. But what I did discover was the impact that sleep has on our mind, on our bodies, and on our performance. And just to start off, because I feel it's really, really important um, with with our physical body, sleep is known. And what I discovered was that sleep is an anabolic state. It's the heightened anabolic state. Being awake, period, when you're awake and you're walking around, you're doing stuff, it's catabolic. Your body is breaking down. And the thing is, I'm not saying that that's bad. We need both. It's the yin and yang. You know, it's that, it's that counterbalance. We need one to have the other. But we get in our modern culture where we're just going, going, going and like, you know, forget sleep. It doesn't matter kind of yeah. thing. We're not getting that anabolic, anabolism, um, that anabolism side of the equation And what that means basically is that anabolic means building the body up. This is where you're secreting all of your rejuvenating hormones, um, the big secretion of things like human growth hormone, which keeps you youthful, which helps you to stay lean and energy. That's your energy right there. You know, a lot of people come to my clinic like, "Uh, Sean, what do you got? I need to have more energy. And I'm just like, so how's your sleep? 
You know, that's the first thing. Yeah. Instead of trying to take a pill for something, we got to get your sleep optimized. But anyways, so when you're missing out on that, you're missing out on virtually it's a fountain of youth, you know, like this whole thing. And I want to bring these these terms back into the fold. Beauty sleep. You know, it's really that that yeah. it, it, it's if you're missing out on this, you're aging yourself, you know, far faster than you would be. So getting that beauty sleep is a real important thing. The second thing with with your mind, there was a ton of research and I put into the book showing that, you know, because in our culture it was just like, we've got all this stuff going on. I don't have time. I'll just put sleep on the back burner. Sleep will be the thing that I don't do and I'll finish this work. And what you find is that people were actually performing far worse. So what they did was they took individuals and they put them to do some particular tasks and they found that when individuals were sleep deprived, it took them four times longer to do the same task, okay, versus when they were fully rested. So this says, hey, wait a minute. Even though I, I think I'm doing more stuff, I'm not being effective. Yeah. There's a big difference between doing activity and actually getting things done, you know, and being effective. And if you restructure your life and put a priority and give the respect back to sleep, which is really what I'm um, working on doing here, you'll find that you actually get things done so much faster, so much more graceful, and you feel good during the process, you know, because even though you're trudging along, saying, you know, I got to get this thing done, I need to do this, I need to do that, you're going to feel crappy at the end of the day, even though you've done it. Versus, you know, what I've taken my clients through and shown them is that when you get the sleep right, everything in your life works better. Sleep is the force multiplier. It makes everything exponentially better or exponentially worse, depending on your, <laughs> your respect for sleep and how you're utilizing it. So, Sleep is the force multiplier. That's so good. I mean, I, this whole paradigm that you're shifting with sleep, it's really sad that our society goes to want, when they want more energy, to a pill or a drink or something like that. And it should be natural to think of our sleep when you want more en- energy. So I think it's going to be after this book and all the work you're doing. So that's awesome. So, again, before we go really into the concepts, I've got one more thing that I want to chat about with you. Oh, this is totally on the concepts, I guess. But I want to talk dreams. And um, I just really want to hear your insights on this. You know, obviously, they're a part of sleep. But have you ever had, like, a night where you've had a great dream and then you wake up and the whole day is great from the dream? (laughs) yes i have actually i have had that experience it's the Uh, best it is it is and that's one of those things that i looked into and it's just like opening up like it's like opening up pandora's box in a way like there's so many theories so many ideas nobody really knows what this is when we're dreaming and it's such an amazing interesting thing that our minds can conceive of these ideas you know and that's one of the things that i really um, really established when I was looking into dreams is that we think that they're kind of ex- like there's this external thing like what does this mean this is the truth the truth is that is you making those dreams okay so any craziness you've conceived of in your dreams that is you you're creating that you know and it's kind of more It's not one of those things where, okay, where I'm going to go and get some reading done or something or, you know, what does this mean? I dreamed about there's some fish. What does this mean? It must mean that, you know, um, I don't know, I'm going to make some money or something. Mm -hmm. But it's really things that you're creating and conceiving in your own mind and you're telling a story. And oftentimes it's looked at as like, um, I'm sorry, let me get some water. Yeah. Got to stay hydrated. Doing so many interviews. Yeah. Lubrication there. But this is the best one, Pajama Jammy Jam. Yes. All right. So um, (laughs) what I found is that um, this was really uh, an opportunity for our subconscious to express messages for us as well. But it's still us. It's still us trying to give ourselves feedback in this kind of unconscious state. Now, again, there's so much theories and different things surrounding that. 
And dreams are actually part of the REM sleep cycle. And you're, you've got a sleep cycle. And there's basically these four stages that we go through. And each complete sleep cycle lasts about 90 minutes. And you go from in into the REM sleep and then you come out of that into the non-REM sleep. And that is the deep rejuvenative sleep. That's where you go into the very, very um, deep uh, and, and and quiet brain rhythms. And I actually talk about that in the book and the different uh, brain rhythms that we all go through, every single person. So just really starting to understand that dreams are awesome, but I want more people to spend time in the deep, deep sleep stage. You know, it's really, really important because for me, the best sleep that I've ever gotten is that when I went to sleep and then I woke up, you know, there was really nothing that I remember in between. It was just this deep, deep, dreamless sleep. And I want people to be able to spend more time in that. And dreams are awesome. I'm not saying that, but we want to make sure that we're getting that uh, stage four um, deep non-REM sleep so that we can be fully rejuvenated because a lot of people are sleeping, quote, the right amount of hours, but they're still waking up tired. So the book is really about that, is optimizing those hours of sleep. So even if you get less sleep, you're getting fully rejuvenated and you're waking up feeling refreshed. And one thing that you'll notice in the book is that I never once say you should be getting like eight hours of sleep, whatever cookie cutter thing. It's not about that. We live in the real world. We need strategies to make the sleep that we do get count, you know, and also structuring our life so that we still are getting adequate sleep. You know, that's kind of the first piece, but- once you get this stuff mastered, there's so many little hacks that you can use to to feel really good and to to get the deep sleep you need. Mm, so good. So that's I, that's what I love about all of your work. You know, you really make it practical for all of us. And you know, this conversation with sleep is no different. But okay, question about dreams now. So when so let me just clarify here. So the deep sleep stage happens after the dreams, and you go into the the stage four. So if you wake up and you've just come out of a dream or it seems like you were you know, right. just in that dream, does that mean you didn't reach that deep place? No, actually, because – and I put a little chart in the book showing the sleep cycle. Mm-hmm. When you're in that non, non-REM sleep, that's actually the opportunity for you to wake up. You're generally going to wake up out of a dream. If you get awakened out of a, a deep sleep when you're in the delta waves – it's going to be pretty jarring for you, you know, like you're you're actually in a state where you're like super unconscious, you know, and yeah. and when your alarm goes off during that sleep, that's when you feel super groggy, you know, but when your alarm goes off, I'm not recommending using alarm either, but when your alarm goes off and you're in the non-REM sleep, it's a much more refreshing, uh, graceful transition that you're waking up into. Yes. No, it does. And actually, this is a perfect time to interject this. I wanted to make sure we got to this. So this winter, you actually coached me on this. And it's, again, one of those little hacks. And I'm sure it's in the book, too. But um, making your sleep cycle insert, you told me, you kind of, you told me exactly with when, you know, when I get up, if I could just switch it like a half an hour, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be getting up in that, um, in that state. So it's, what is it? It's seven and a half hours. Is that correct? So you don't wake up during that state? Yeah. So like I said, each sleep cycle is about 90 minutes. So when you stack that up and do the math, we're looking at four cycles being six hours of sleep. Five, what we, what, what the data shows is that we need five to six sleep cycles to be fully rejuvenated. So that would be around seven and a half hours. Or if somebody is like, you know, they're like a polar bear and they need to hibernate, then they could do the nine hours or whatever, you know. But on the minimum, it would be the, the four sleep cycles. So that would be six hours. So if, I, if somebody was to like to pull my leg and be like, you know, how many hours do we need? I'd say between six and nine, you know. And I'm somebody, I like to give very specifics, yeah. you know, if I can. But this is one of those things that it's really going to be according to you. And it's really going to be according to how you set your lifestyle factors up and structure and optimize your sleep is going to really depend on how many hours you need as an individual. 
Yeah, for sure. So is that something I know, you know, routine with your body and making those circadian rhythms routine for your body is really important. So is that something that you could say like, look, over the weekend I can do the polar bear nine, but during the week, you know, seven and a half is pushing it. Is that fine to switch or is it something that you should try to keep consistent on the weekend with what you can do during the week? That's such a good question, you know, and what the research indicates is that first and foremost, your body, everybody has cycles. We all have hormonal cycles. We all have uh, cyclical patterns that our bodies go through every single day. And if our body's functioning normally, we're getting a spike of cortisol in the morning for the purpose of doing activity and melatonin is suppressed. And then as it gets dark outside, melatonin is supposed to be rising. Cortisol is going down. Melatonin is the get good sleep hormone. It helps you help set your body up for a really deep rejuvenative sleep. So our body is always looking to be in these patterns. And when you start throwing the patterns off by, you know, today I'm going to sleep six hours on the weekend, I'll sleep nine, I'll catch up on my sleep. Most people will find that they are more tired those days that they sleep longer. They're still tired. Okay. And it's not and again, this is what the research is indicating and what I've seen in my experience. It's not a good idea to be all over the place with your sleep cycles. What I would say is that if your body, if you actually do feel that your body requires more sleep on certain days, just say maybe you had a really tough um, uh, workout or maybe you had some really deep emotional stuff you've been going through and your body just needs to recover a little bit more from that. That's fine. That's normal. But when you try and force your body to wake up earlier than it wants to, or you keep your butt in bed, even though your body's waking up at the same time, you know, because a lot of times people still wake up at the same time, but they'll just be like, I'm, I'm not getting up. I'm just going to fall back asleep. And they force another sleep cycle. That's throwing your, your rhythms off, your circadian rhythms. And it's not, circadian rhythms is not like some airy fairy, like magical mystery thing. Right. This is as real as the clock. This is as real as the clock on your phone, as your wristwatch. It's built into you and it's basically a cyclical pattern, how we're lined up with nature and how our bodies are timed to release certain hormones. And you can screw that up by having random sleep patterns. Your body looks for patterns. Your body is looking for structure and habitual things so that it can free up energy to do all the other creative stuff. So good. So one more question, I guess, on dreams then. What about lucid dreaming? And can you talk a little bit about, I was so, I loved what you said there about all what's happening with dreams is all things that we're creating in our mind. So anything else um, there about dreams or even like maybe your practices with them? Like, what do you do with them? Like, do you write them down? Do you ever get good ideas? I'm curious. <laughs> wow. Oh my goodness. I used to... Before I even got deeply into this research, mm-hmm. I used to um, say that I'd fall awake when mm. I went to night, you know, and I looked forward to it because I was going to, um, I've never talked about this before. You have the, you have the pattern of making me do this. I know. I, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so I would, ha- I would look forward to meeting up with my advisors, you know, when I fall awake. So the people who I've, who I've admired or who I wanted to learn cool. from, or have learned from, and I had these eight people and we'd sit at a table and we'd all talk. And before bed, so I had this intention and then I would fall awake and we, we would begin this, you know, this session, you know, and um, I felt so many times that it was real because I was like, I, you know, I was the lucid dreaming is basically like where you're aware that this is a dream, mm-hmm. you know, but at the same time, it, it is it's real to you then, you know, and man, I can't believe I'm talking about this. But when you are aware that you're actually sleeping, it is ve- it's very interesting. It can be kind of scary. It can be very empowering. But um, this gives you the opportunity for me. It's in my experience is just it gave me the opportunity to to see what I can do, to see what's possible, you know, to fly, to, you know, to do, 
things that I wouldn't do in my life, you know, for fear of, you know, um, ending my life, you know, mm-hmm. so it's just a very interesting thing. And um, in my <clears throat> in my preparation for the book, I didn't look in, into it very much at all. But since you asked about it, you know, um, it's definitely a very interesting thing. And you can you can stack conditions in your favor to make it more likely that you'll have lucid dreaming. And I don't I I'm not the person to ask about this. I don't really remember. I know that there's some um, particular substances that people can use to to help in that. And I'm not saying they're illegal or anything, but there's some like natural herbs and things like that. And there's like um, shaman who who take people through experiences like that as well. Um, but yeah, there's ways that you can help to cultivate that practice. And there's also different exercises that you can do as well. And I don't remember what they are, but if people are interested in that kind of thing, go ahead. But for me personally, even, even now, um, I'm just more interested in recovering, you know, getting sleep to recover so that I can live my dreams. Mm-hmm. That time that I spent following awake, I mean, falling awake is, um, it was really preparation for me, you know? So now I'm actually putting all the stuff into action that I discussed with my advisors while, while dreaming, you know, and I cannot believe it sounds totally. No, well, well not to me, but, not to anyone in wellness wonderland. They're, they're used to this, but yeah. I'm, I don't know. I'm into that. I think that's so cool. I'm so glad we went there and that you shared that because, um, Man, I'm going to go hang out with my advisors tonight. <laughs> I think um, I love what you said there about, you know, now it's the time to live your dreams and yes. sleep for you is is what allows you to do that. And, and, and me, too. But um, but I had to ask, you know, about this concept <laughs> of lucid dreaming. And it's the, it's I, the jammy jam. Exactly. We can go there. Um, exactly. I, it's just cool. It's just cool. Um but I guess with that, you know, now that we've talked about some of this airy-fairy stuff, let's get into the grounded um, research and the, the let's get into the nitty-gritty of this. So um, you're going to share some of your top tips that you've picked out just for us. But before I, we do that, I've got a couple um, questions I want to ask you that I think will be um, you know, I talked to a bunch of readers of the Wellness Wonderland and listeners, and um, these are some things that came up from our community for you, Sean. So um, the first one is, what do you say to, you know, maybe young people who say that it's worth it to stay up late or not get enough sleep or to, um, you know, to do that and they, you know, they they don't care about the effects and um what are some what is something that you would say to them to and you you've already mentioned a lot of these things but um to maybe prevent that and also you know maybe if there's something that is completely out of their control like you know a baby or red eye flight or something like that something that you know peeps can do to get back on track okay, uh, okay well there's two things there so the first thing is um with with teenagers they're they're just like the rest of us. If we want something badly enough, we'll make it happen, you know? And so what you have to do in your communication is tie it to something that matters to them, you know? So for example, if they're an athlete and you actually are able to communicate, and of course, giving them my book would be helpful, but if you're able to communicate the fact that, hey, if you do this thing, AKA, you know, sleep in whatever particular manner you're trying to communicate, you're going to be a better performer than your competition, you know, tied to something that they want. Or if it's um, for, and this is for everybody, if it's weight loss, because a lot of um, younger people now are, are dealing with body issues and, and being overweight. One of the most important studies that really was a catalyst for me writing this book was a study done and published in the Canadian Medical Association Journal. And it was a study where they took Two groups of people, they had them on the same diet and the same exercise program. The only difference is they had one group be a sleep deprivation group, which they were getting less than six hours a night. The other group was the control group who got eight plus hours a night. At the end of the study, they found across the board, the sleep deprivation group lost less body fat and lost far less weight than the control group. The only difference was they were not getting that quality sleep. 
this is why this is so important. People can be beating themselves down, working out like crazy, doing all these, you know, crazy diets. But if you're not getting your sleep, your body is not going to change. Sleep is the secret sauce. When you're sleeping is when your body actually recovers and changes from all the stuff you did during the day. That's the secret. When you go into the gym and you're like, I'm going to get fit today. When you finish that workout, you're actually in worse shape than when you came into the gym. Your inflammatory biomarkers are up. Your stress hormones are off the charts. If you were to go to get some blood work done, you'd look like a sick person. But it's not that. You would just expose yourself to a temporary, and it's called a hormetic stressor. Okay, So it's a stressor that can be really, really good for you if you treat it the right way. And the real change, here's the secret, is that the change actually happens while you're resting, and namely while you're sleeping. And I already mentioned this, is when your body secretes all of the beneficial hormones, the, the, the human growth hormone, all the anabolic hormones, the growth hormone, to help you to regenerate, to rebuild. Um, and also, this, there's ties showing that it even helps with hormones like melatonin and helping to fortify and to get better sleep if you're exercising in the right way, which is going to be one of the tips, by the way, we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah, yeah. But that's, so that's number one, is just communicating it and tying it to something that they want so that they can see the value in it. You know, instead of trying to tell somebody what to do, nobody likes to be told what to do. You don't wake up in the morning like, you know what? I hope everybody tells me what to do today. <laughs> you know, that doesn't happen. You know, we want to feel empowered. We want to, we want to feel like we're winning, you know, and that's really, you know, taking grasp of the communication yourself and being responsible for it. If you don't get the result that you want when you're communicating with somebody, it's you, okay? Instead of being like, it's 50-50, right? That's how we tend to be in relationships. And we usually end up pointing the finger then when something doesn't go right versus you saying, you know what? I didn't communicate that the right way because I didn't get the result I wanted. Let me find another way to do this. Let me cultivate another approach so that I can get the result that I want. You know, and it's a much more empowered way of looking at things. So that was the first thing. The second thing was the baby question. Let me get a little drink before I talk about yeah, this one because yeah, I know yeah. about this. <laughs> Although your baby is, has always been a great sleeper, right? Yep. Since six weeks old, he's been sleeping uh, at least 10 hours a night. Amazing. And that's pretty, for parents, you know, like that's kind of unheard of, you know. But what I like to tell people first and foremost is that the baby wants to sleep. Yeah. They want to sleep too, you know. It's just... It's how we've been conditioned and how um, we structure things ourselves that oftentimes create the, the um, disharmony with the child sleeping and, and thus waking us up. Now, of course, it wasn't perfect. I mean, every now and then he'd wake up. Uh, but I mean, it was really, really rare. I mean, I can count on my hands how many times he would wake up um, throughout his first, you know, he's two and a half now, uh, years of life. It was very, very rare. But and it's because we set up patterns, we set up habitual patterns and structure um, because just like we t I talked about us, babies really, really look for pattern, for habits. So it's really about creating a ritual. And parents know this, the power of this, but it doesn't have to wait until they're two or three or four years old or older when you've already helped them to create their template and it's going to be harder to change. You start this when they're newborn, you know, and what's going to happen at night. Some of the good cues are using their senses. So this would be things like um, having a bath means you're going to go to sleep for some hours. Or music is what we've really utilized. So there's a particular music that we play for my son when he's going to bed. I love that. And yeah. also the environment itself. When we go into his room and it's dark outside... We don't turn any lights on. Everything's pretty dim. And, um, or I'm sorry, let me take that back. He doesn't really play in his room at night, okay, in the first place. But when we do go into his room, we read first. Like, that's the pattern. He knows that, okay, I'm reading now. The lights are going to go off, and I'm going to go to sleep with my music. You know, so that's another thing we do. So when I was saying that the lights are dim, that's, that means if he's going in his room at night, um, he's not going to go in there to be playing. Yeah. It's yeah, at nighttime, yeah. the room means bedtime. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, I mean, I talk about that stuff in the book as well about creating 
um, habits and, and, and putting all this stuff into a structure. And that's actually how I wrap the book up and, and just kind of saying, hey, try this thing, try this thing, have like a checklist. Yeah. You know, so that you can use it for yourself as well as use it for your kids. So I hope that was helpful. No, that was that was super helpful. Um, and thanks for getting when I throw too many questions out at once. Um, you got them all. But I, I that was actually something I've been meaning to ask you, you know, for for big kids like myself. I love listening to um, like music or mantra when I when I fall asleep or sometimes sound. That's totally legit. That's cool for for big kids, too. Yes, it is. That's that's totally cool. Yeah. Cool. I love that. And I, I think just the whole act of ritual, like I'm really into listening to records, right? So like I usually listen to the same record while I'm like brushing my teeth and blowing out all the candles I have around my apartment and just, you know, kind of winding down for the night. And I always choose the exact same record to listen to. And I think there's something really peaceful about um consistency with that you know and we've we got into this a bit on the first time we chatted on the wellness wonderland radio which i'll link that you know in the show notes as well and i highly suggest you know you listen to that one if you haven't already but you know morning and evening routines are so big for for me and and for you sean um and i think you know just that active routine can really help with um with sleep and just in general life as well right Totally. Totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's let's get into these top three of the 21. I asked you to come and choose three tips that you specifically devoted to the Wellness Wonderland audience. So I am so excited to what you have to share for us. Awesome. All right. Well, tip number one, and this is one of my favorites, is to train hard but smart. Now, obviously, a big component of us getting the body that we really want is, you know, is working out, you know, and doing getting getting that physical exertion. But there's some important caveats so that we can actually get the result we want. There was a study published by Appalachian State University, and they had groups of people exercise at three different times, 7 a.m., 1 p.m., and 7 p.m., what they discovered was that morning exercisers spent up to 75% more time in the rejuvenative deep sleep stage when they went to sleep that night. Okay, so exercising in the morning translated to better sleep at night, right? And then the 7 p.m. group had some benefit. 1 p.m. was negligible, so it wasn't that much change at all. And what, what this is saying is that Again, getting back in alignment with like, you know, we're designed, we're in accordance with nature. Yeah. At 7 a.m. is when we get that cortisol spike to do activity. It's just like the normal time to do that stuff. And at night, look, it's 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 cute to have like a Facebook status or <laughs> Twitter status like, yeah, it's 11 p.m. in the gym, get it, <laughs> you know. But what you're doing really is wrecking your results, you know. And again depending on where you are in your life, when people are younger, yeah, we could do that stuff and quote, get away with it. But you're setting yourself up for long-term problems. And I've seen this so many times, you know, because what you're doing is you're accelerating your aging, you're accelerating the time that it won't work for you. How about we just do the right thing now, which is when it's one o'clock in the morning, I can't stand, I cannot stand seeing 24-hour gyms. Like, it's just like, what? Who, what evil villain you know, what villain created 24-hour gyms, you know, like that is so crazy to be able to be in the gym at one o'clock in the morning when everything about you is is crying to you to go to bed and to be asleep at that time. So we want to make sure, and it's not like you can't work out in the afternoon. What I found was that there is some benefit if you're working out in the uh, late afternoon. So four or five o'clock, you're going to get some benefit from ther- thermal regulation, basically you're going to have an increase in your core body temperature. And when it drops, it's going to drop a little bit lower than what you uh, normally need to fall into deep sleep because our bodies normally go through thermo, thermal regulation. I don't know if I said thermogenesis or thermal regulation, but thermal, thermal regulation, and it co- drops your core temperature to help you to have the right environment in your body for sleep. So if you time things right, you can help, the exercise can help you sleep better. But if it's too late in the evening, your core temperature is going to be too high. 
And this is why you're not going to get the highest quality sleep. You can pass out, but it's not the same as getting deep sleep, you know. So that's the big takeaway. And a tip to use here is to do some training in the morning, if at all possible. And this could just be going for a long walk or doing some body weight stuff, doing some yoga. But do something physically active in the morning. And you could still train in the afternoon as well. But do something active in the morning, and that's going to help you to sleep better at night. Yes. I Okay, one thing I have to interject before we go to the next tip. I am obsessed with this one. It's so good because I have found in my own life that exercise in the morning is just freaking amazing. You know, even if it is just taking a power walk and catching up on the mental health show or, you know, whatever it is, it it sets the tone for the rest of the day, just makes me feel so good because – First of all, you get it over with in a sense that like if you do have a day where you have to sit a lot or you are driving or whatever it is, at least you got some movement in in case that other workout doesn't happen. And that's super powerful and just makes me feel better instantly. And then also, um, you know, you every day when you – um, you know, we've all had those days like as kids in the summer. Like, do you remember this, Sean? You know, when you would just be out playing all day long and, you know, some that's partly the sun too, but you would just be playing all day long and then that sleep at the end of the day after you really tired yourself out, there's nothing like it, you know? So I think right. um, just focus at using that as like your visualization of where you want to be. Like think about the best night's sleep you've had as a kid and yeah. how that felt. And then take yourself there, mm-hmm. and that's going to be where Sean can get you back to in this book. But your body knows what to do, you know, and it's just using it in the right way. So love that. Perfect. Awesome. Awesome. So, so shall we go to the next one? Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, the tip number two is to get your, quote, friends out of your room. So what does that mean? Well, we want friends in our room who are actually like physical, real people. That's all good, especially for a slumber party. Yes. <laughs> what the friends that I'm talking about are our electronic teddy bears. They are not invited. All right. So when you go into some people's bedrooms, it's like Best Buy. It's like a circuit <laughs> city up in their bedroom, right? It's like it's crazy. TVs, laptops. Uh, iPads, they got three Kindles, they've got, you know, just everything. And it's like, it's crazy. All right. And and here's the deal is that numerous studies have confirmed that watching TV before bed does, in fact, disrupt your sleep cycle in a very, very tough way. Now, why is that? What's going on there? Because I'm just laying in bed. I'm relaxed. I'm, you know, I'm tired. It's not it's not even a big deal. Even though that it's a mundane activity to watch television, there are parts of your brain that are firing off like the 4th of July and they're producing these daytime hormones. You're going to be secreting more cortisol because you're watching television. You're watching all these pixels moving at the speed of light, you know, and it's just it's stimulating your brain so much. And on top of that, the blue light spectrum that's in, <clears throat> that's emitted from these different devices has been found to be the most sleep-sucking and and um, cortisol-spiking spectrum of light that there is. And this is what's going to be coming from our smartphones, from our iPads, from our little fancy pants devices, which are awesome. We That technology has made us like we're living in the best time ever, you know, and in some ways the worst time ever. ever. We wouldn't even be talking right now, right? Right, exactly. It's so cool, right? <laughs> now, here's the deal. I really drilled down in the book and talked about this more is that also we're talking about something called EMFs, which is electromagnetic frequencies, okay, or electromagnetic noise. Okay. And what's been found is that these electromagnetic frequencies or this kind of low-level radiation that's coming from our devices does, in fact, disrupt the communication between the cells in our body, okay? So- our Crazy. televisions, our, our computers, our laptops, our, our smartphones. And I even in particular talked about the, the phone, but when you're holding your phone up to your head, it is definitely influencing and disrupting communication for your brain cells. And there's many studies, and I actually mentioned some of this in the book, 
about people developing tumors, especially midbrain tumors, especially younger people who have the softer brain tissue and um, softer skull. It's it's able to penetrate deeper, and it's it's a little bits about it in the book, but it's kind of scary stuff. But I'm not saying don't use the phone. I don't want to freak everybody out. Well, and you did a whole episode on this on the Metal Health yes. Show too, yes. which I'll link again in the show notes. Um, that again was a big paradigm shifter for me because you know I just didn't know that or didn't think about it. So what we want to do is okay, our our phone is awesome. We need it for so many different things. But you don't have to sleep with it like it's your lover, like it's your like your teddy bear, you know. You will be all right if you put your phone in a different room. And some people are like, oh, no, what happened? What if such and such? I promise you the world is not going to end. Yeah. I do promise you also that you're going to sleep better without having that phone near you. Because a lot of people, it's the last thing they do before they go to bed is they look at their phone. And it's getting their brain, it's getting more inner chatter happening. And also, it's the first thing they do when they wake up. Instead of being like, I'm waking up in the morning empowered, I have these things I want to accomplish, and then you go and check your messages and your email, and all of a sudden, other people's plans for you take over your life. You're answering to everybody else instead of what you had planned. So it's being much more empowered to like, let's put the phone in its proper place and let's get it out of our room. And some people will be like, well, it's my alarm clock. Just get an alarm clock, right? Just yeah. get an old school alarm clock if you need one. And one that has a total dimmer shut off as well. And the last thing I'm going to share with this one is TV in the bedroom is highly linked to obesity. And with younger kids, it's linked to obesity and poorer grades. Okay, so this is some real stuff here, you know, and yeah. it's just one of those things that it's it's not causation, but there's a strong correlation, so I'd pay attention to it. And actually, I'm going to share one more tiny thing because it's yeah, important. Yeah, no, please. People, and this might not be relevant for, you know, people when they're, you know, kind of single, ready to mingle kind of thing. But when you're like, when you get married or you get into a more longer term relationship, what's been found is that people who have couples who have televisions in their bedroom have sex 50% less. They have half the sex of people who don't have televisions in their room. Oh, man. Come on. All right, so... Turn that TV off. This is the part where people go right now and they put this on pause and they go get the television out of their room. Yes, exactly. We'll be waiting for you guys. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, so that's tip number two is to get your friends out of your room. It's such a good one. So, okay, my reaction to this one as someone who has taken this tip to heart... The having my phone out of my room, I have to admit, before I heard Sean's podcast on this, I same thing. I had it right in my room. And now it's almost this thing where I don't look at it right away and uh, in the morning when I wake up. But when I do, after I've had my morning time and I've done my morning pages and I've done my exercise and I've had I, – I call the morning like magic time, Sean, because I just like <laughs> – I love the mornings. Um, I even like, you know, like 5 p.m. comes. I was like, oh, can I just go to bed? Because like I love sleeping in the morning. Can it just be morning again? You know, <laughs> it's like silly. But but yeah, so um, I find, though, that like once I am ready to go to my phone, I'm actually excited. I'm looking forward to like scrolling through Instagram and, you know, checking the comments on the posts. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's fun. And it's this ex- exciting thing, not just this like mundane thing. So um, maybe that's a little added on. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I'm right with you with the morning time. And I, I, again, that's in the book too. I talk about um, the benefits of being an early riser and not saying that people have to do that. And I talk about some of the benefits of being a quote night owl as well. But, and um, for people who are interested in like, I want to, I'm not a morning person, but I want to be able to start being one. I actually take people through, how do you do it? What do you need to do to become somebody who enjoys waking up in the morning? so good Mm. i'm just like so excited that this book exists you know and that people are going to be reading it this week like people have the book like how it's so amazing 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 all right what else have you got for us and last tip last tip is especially for you guys this is important tip number three is dress for the occasion nice one All right. So what does this mean? What does this have to do with sleep? Well, first of all, putting on your PJs can be a mental trigger 
for you to relax and wind down for the day. It just feels good to come home and take off the kind of outer world uniform and put your comfy PJs on. And that's all good. But what you wear to bed does matter. And one of the important things, I kind of touched on this a little bit, is that there is a normal drop in your body temperature when our bodies are preparing for sleep. So you don't want to blunt this by making yourself too hot with wearing too much clothing when you go to bed. Okay, so I'm not saying to like, you've got to freeze your buns off, but I'm saying if you've got a habit of like dressing up like you're going hunting or like you're going to chop wood before you go to bed, you might want to take a couple layers off. All right? Oh my gosh, you know me too well, Sean. <laughs> so, so I'm just saying. So this is one of those things that even though it's a small thing, what the studies show, matter of fact, let me, let me tell you this study while I'm just talking about it. There was a Dutch study and scientists had participants wear these things called thermosuits and they lowered their skin temperature less than one degree Celsius without affecting the core body temperature. Okay, so this is their skin temperature to measure its impact on sleep. Okay, so one degree less. The study results showed that participants didn't, didn't wake up as much during the night, number one, and the amount of time spent in stages three and four, which is the deep sleep stage, had increased. And this is just because of being wow. one degree cooler. All right, so, so dress for the occasion. All right, so that's part one. Part two, and let me actually go into my book right now because I cannot not tell you guys this. Man, I'm, this is this one is new for me, and I am I am very very guilty of this. This will be new. <laughs> so this is chapter nineteen in the book, and the part of this section is Midnight Strangler. All right, so what I'm talking about here is the fact that the clothing that you're wearing, if it's too tight and too restrictive, it will cut off the flow of your lymphatic system, which is your cellular waste management system. And the biggest culprit here are tight socks, right? So you'll know this because when you pull your socks off, if you can still see the imprint of the sock perfectly on your skin, I say in the book, you know, this is a nice, that's a nice party trick, you know, like, wow, look at that. But it's <laughs> not good. If any of your lymphatic system gets cut off, you're blocking toxic, toxic substances from being able to move out of your system. Okay, so it's basically like, um, like a water hose and you bend it. If you're bending a water hose, that water pressure can swell and you can mess up your internal plumbing or oh, something. Man. Okay, now here's the big one that I had to tell you guys. Beyond your lower extremities, there's an even bigger and more dangerous issue for women. And it was a 2009 study that found that women who slept in their bra had a 60% greater risk of developing breast cancer. Wow. Okay. Now, numerous studies have actually shown the connection between habitual bra wearing and breast cancer. And this is because, again, that constriction with the lymphatic system. So when you take your bra off and you see those indentations on your shoulders and on your chest and on your sides and around your breasts, that is a clear indication that you're cutting off your lymphatic flow. And that can be potentially disastrous for your health. So this is just something to be aware of. I'm not saying to like, no more bras, like, you know, throw the bras away. Bras make breasts look amazing, you know, when you wear <laughs> them. But when you, when you take them off, well, if you're, if you're not taking them off, what the research shows is that you're actually atrophying the natural um, development of muscle that would be there. That muscle is going to atrophy to help to support your breasts naturally. So I cited a study in the book to kind of clear away the myth that if you uh, go brawless that your breasts are going to sag fast, uh, sag faster and that whole thing. But it's just not true. You're actually going to help them to be tonified and to actually, and I've, I'm not going to say I've seen this, but I've had my different clients and patients tell me that once they started going bra free more, they actually did get a lift in their breast. And it's just one of those things that you've got to experiment with. And I'm not saying to do, you've got to do that all day, but the nighttime is the right time. It's the perfect time to go bra free and let your lymphatic system flow, let the girls be free, yeah. and to be able to sleep uh, totally free without that constriction would be really, really important. All right, so I, I guess I would leave you guys with that tip as well as, you know, um, for, for women in general, here, let me go back to my book and actually tell you this part. I gave some recommendations. So for men, here's what you should be wearing to bed. These are just some recommendations. Because again, even though I'm saying wear loose clothing, 
I'm not saying that you need to wear like some ugly nightgown from like Mama's family. <laughs> so, yeah, well, Mumu. Yeah, I'm not saying you need to wear a Mumu. That's not. <laughs> right. Are I you can't. in a Mumu right now, Sean, for our sleepover? <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. So for men, boxers, loose-fitting pajama bottoms, basketball shorts, basic T-shirt if you want, or go naked. For women, boy shorts, your own or your significant other's T-shirt or boxers, flowing lingerie, yoga pants, or, quote, tights that don't actually choke your legs out and your hips, loose-fitting pajama bottoms, or go naked. So those were some of the specific um, options that I put out there. And um, then I went on in that chapter, of course, to give the power tips to kind of put it all together. So I hope that that was valuable for everybody. And and um, I thought it was super interesting doing that chapter. Oh, yeah. So interesting. And that that is new to me because I know, you know, you want to keep it keep it low, 68 degrees. Right. I think that's what you say. And um, but, you know, and I think I shared with you this winter when we spoke about sleep that that was what I was really struggling with. And that's probably why you chose this tip. But I tend to be very, very cold, and it was really, really hard for me to get out of bed. And sometimes, you know, especially through the winter, I would sleep in not only, like, a T-shirt, a sweatshirt, my robe, like, full <laughs> socks. I mean, and then I'd have, like, 800 blankets. So it was just, like, silly. But um, but then, you know, I would, you know, by the time I woke up in the morning, I was, like, drenched, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, exactly, exactly. And you're probably going to be more like not wanting to get out of bed, not because it's cold, but because you're just kind of still cozy, tired, not fully awake yet. Yes. Because you affected the quality of your sleep by being too hot. Exactly. Exactly. It's like mm, so good. And then the bra tip too, same thing. So good. And I know, um, you know, that's something too. I My mentor, Gabrielle Bernstein, has a tip in her book about the rebounder. And I know, Sean, we both love right. a good rebounder and that was like the main part of her tip on the rebounder was take off the bra you need to move that lymph and it's so right. good and um same thing you know so when you when you wake up in the morning you don't need to put it on right away you can do your exercises and, and let them let them shake <laughs> yes absolutely absolutely i totally agree and again the research backs it up that it's going to help you long term to maintain a good lift to maintain a good look. But if you get dependent on that bra, the natural muscles are going to atrophy. They're not going to be able to do their job. So I totally, one billion percent agree with Gabby and you. And yeah, let the girls be free. Exactly. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, I'm a little bit sad that our sleepover, like everybody is at a sleepover, right? You're sad yeah. when your parents have to come pick you up and you got to go home. But, um, oh man. I know. It's like the pancake breakfast in the morning, right? Right, right, right. You got to do it up. Oh my. I know. Um, well, this has been a blast. And as you know, I could talk to you all day. I'm so grateful, um, you know, for not only the work you do, but to have you in my life as a mentor and a friend. And I'm just so grateful that you stopped back in Wonderland and gave these really, really powerful tips for people. So I hope people take them with them. And Sean, anything else you want to share with Wonderland before you head home from the pajama party? <laughs> <laughs> I just thought. Uh, I just thought about there's actually a movie. It's a house party. I don't know if anybody knows about this, but it was the pajama jammy jam. It was like I think it's like house party four or something. <laughs> but I just thought about that and pictured myself wearing the never mind. All right. So um, the, the only uh, real thing that I want to leave everybody with is to um, definitely if they want more information on the book, uh, you can go to sleep smarter dot com. So that's sleep smarter dot com to get a little bit more information uh, but for anybody who just knows, like, I need this book, you can just, of course, head over to Amazon yeah. and pick up a copy. And I promise you, you're going to love it. It's going to be a fun read. Um, you're going to get so much value from it. And this is so one of those much. things that I know people are going to be able to hand to people that they care about. Yes. And it's going to have an impact on them. You know, so um, what, I'm, what I really want to employ people to do is to embody some of the information in the book, but also share it. Because this is really how we can make a difference in our world, in, in, our, in the health of our loved ones, and be a catalyst for change, you know, is getting all these different pieces together. Because the health conversation usually stops around like exercise and diet. But what about the other stuff, you know? And we need to pay attention to this. And I'm so honored and happy that I get to be uh, the messenger who gets to share this, this uh, important, important 
research. So yeah, that's it. I, and I appreciate you so much, Katie. Man, you're the best. Like I just, I love you. I really appreciate you. And I love the work that you're doing. And I love uh, the community that you've built and, and the energy that you put out and the type of people that you attract. Because a lot of, of people who um, follow the Wellness Wonderland have also gotten in touch with me and followed my work. And they're just awesome people, you know, and I love awesome people. You know, so I just and you are one, and you are one, and that love is just so mutual. I just, you're an amazing person, and um, and from that alone, I hope people check out the book. And obviously, it'll all be linked below. But this is just something to share. It's not something to keep to yourself. I think ideas that spread win, and we we all agree on that. So share this um, this with everyone, and good night, good night, Sean, good night, everybody, and sleep well. Nighty night. Thanks for listening. You made it all the way to the end. I'll be back next week, but until then, let's stay inspired and keep this conversation going. So tweet at me, at Katie Dalebout, and our guest with your aha moments from this conversation. And like the Wellness Wonderland on Facebook, so we can all hang out there and discuss how inspired we are and how we'll apply it in our daily lives. And never miss another episode or post from me by signing up for email updates on thewellnesswonderland.com. See you back in Wonderland.